Our gospel reading for this morning uh, comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. The story of Jesus' baptism always comes to us on the first Sunday of the season of Epiphany, that sometimes forgotten season between Christmas and Lent. The season of Epiphany always begins on January 6th, after the 12 days of Christmas, with the arrival of the Magi or the wise men or the three kings. It is the moment that the birth of Jesus goes global as these wise ones from afar visit the manger and then return home proclaiming the good news to the nations. From there, the light of Christ begins to shine further and further and brighter and brighter out into the world. This baptism marks another moment when Jesus and his mission become more widely known. It marks the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. From this point forward, he will call disciples, preach, teach, confront, corrupt uh, religious and political leaders, heal, raise people from the dead, and die and be raised himself. And it all begins with a single word, beloved. Beloved. Jesus comes up out of the water, the heavens open, the spirit descends like a dove, and God says those words, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Beloved is a word easy enough to figure out. It means to be loved. And it can be understood as being divinely loved, esteemed, dear, favorite, and worthy of love. In terms of our faith, to be beloved is to know and experience being fully and completely loved by God just as we are without judgment. As parents, I think this is really all we are trying to do in life, to give our kids such a sense of their belovedness that they know they are loved and that we believe in them, come what may. And we hope that this love gives them the courage to be themselves or to find themselves, to try things, to speak and live their truth, to risk and to strike out on their own path. I experience this as a parent, but also as a son, because one of the people in my life who helps me to know and experience my belovedness is, in fact, my mom. And she watches these services, so hi, mom. 
My mom is the person in my life who constantly reassures me of my belovedness. In the face of success or failure, challenges and celebrations, she is there consoling me when I mourn, rejoicing when I rejoice, and continually giving me the courage to be myself. I always think of my mom as the parent in the story of the prodigal son, always waiting there to welcome, forgive, reassure, and celebrate. No matter where life's journey has taken me, she always picks up the phone and says, it's so good to hear your voice. And this for me is like the image of the loving father running out to meet the son in the story of the prodigal, which is, of course, an image of God where the father puts his robe on his son, gives him his ring, and calls for a feast to celebrate his return. For this is how God loves us. And if we are fortunate, we have people in our lives that reflect that for us. Like Jesus coming up out of the water, God calls us God's beloved too. As it says in 1 John, see what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, And that is what we are. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. This is always and forever how God regards us as beloved. One of the books I always keep close at hand in my office is The Life of the Beloved, Spiritual Living in a Secular World by the wonderful author Henry Nouwen. And it is a book written in the form of a letter to a friend explaining what it means to be the beloved of God. And here's how he describes that feeling of belovedness. He says, I hear at my center words that say, I have called you by name from the very beginning. You are mine and I am yours. You are my beloved. On you my favor rests. I've molded you in the depths of the earth and knitted you together in your mother's womb. I have carved you in the palms of my hands and hidden you under the shadow of my embrace. I look at you with infinite tenderness and care for you with a care more intimate than that of a mother for her child. I have counted every hair on your head and guided you at every step. Wherever you go, I go with you, and wherever you rest, I keep watch. I will give you food that will satisfy all your hunger and drink that will quench your thirst. I will not hide my face from you. You know me as your own, and I know you as my own. You belong to me. I am your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your lover, and your spouse. Yes, even your child. Wherever you are, I will be. Nothing will ever separate us. We are one. Wow. And yet, we often doubt this. Because there is so much in our lives that doesn't work this way. Generally, we are loved and receive acclaim for what we do or create or produce rather than simply for who we are. Therefore, Nowen writes that we are much more eager to listen to other louder voices saying, prove that you are worth something, do something relevant, spectacular, or powerful, and then you will earn the love you so desire. He says, we are the beloved. We are intimately loved long before our parents, teachers, spouses, children, and friends loved or wounded us. That's the truth of our lives. That's the truth I want you to claim for yourself. 
That is the truth spoken by the voice that says, You are my beloved. This is the beginning of our faith, what Jesus and we hear in our baptisms and to where we constantly return. This is the truth of who we are even when we cannot perceive, understand, or accept it. This is how God sees us even when we cannot see ourselves in this way. Whatever else may be, we are always and forever God's beloved. This is the reality of which we are reminded by the baptism of Jesus here again at the outset of a new season and the outset of a new year. No matter what comes this day, this week, this year, we are God's beloved. That is what we know to be true, whether we happen at that moment to feel that way or not. And secure in our identity, we can communicate to others their belovedness too. The beginning of this new year comes here at church with lots of opportunities to explore our faith. And between now and Easter, we are putting a big focus on visioning and discernment for who we are and who God is calling us to be. And we want as many people as possible to participate because that will give us a clear image of where God is leading us. Times of transition can be exciting, but they can also be times of trepidation. And that is the nature of change. But it is not only about managing an organizational change. There is also a spiritual dimension at the heart of it. And a spiritual dimension, I think, at the heart of the unsettledness of it. And I think it absolutely revolves around this question of belovedness. When things change in our lives, whether it's a job, moving, parenthood, illness, loss, and milestones from graduation to retirement, or when things change at church, we're always faced with the question, who am I now? What is my place, my value? How am I regarded? Right now, I'm reading Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead, Brave Work, Tough Conversations, Whole Hearts. And she says that we all share a common fear of being irrelevant. She says that this sometimes arises from a sense of shame, which she defines as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. When things change in our lives, we can easily, quickly, and understandably go to that place because we often root our value in the things we do, the titles or positions we hold, the alliances of which we are a part. Totally understandable and reflections of our human insecurity and our reluctance to trust in our own deep and abiding belovedness. Although things change in our lives, that doesn't mean that you or I are loved any less. We are fully God's beloved right now, tomorrow, always and forever. And if we are rooted in this reality, this identity, we can have the security and confidence to dream knowing that while some things change, even church, our belovedness to God and the people of God never does. As my kids like to say, it's not pie. Love and belovedness are not finite resources. In fact, the more we accept, live it, and share it, the more it grows, expanding like the universe itself. It can actually lead us into deeper belovedness and and enable us to see more clearly and celebrate the belovedness of others. So know this. You are loved.
you are beloved. You are accepted here as your full self, faithful and flawed as we all are. You are now and always caught up irrevocably in a loving embrace with the God and creator and lover of all things and all people. And all you need to do is nothing. Just be held. Finally, in our first reading from Isaiah 43, which is my favorite passage in the Bible, God says, I am about to do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? God points to the future as a place not to fear, but as a place of fulfillment of God's promises, a place of redemption and restoration, of hope, a place where the reign of God is more fully realized and lived among God's people. And that is the future that we are seeking the future that we are discerning, the future that we are envisioning together as God's beloved. And God promises that God will guide us, saying, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned And the flame shall not consume you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. Amen.